0: Coming up in this premiere episode of Genesis Week Podcast, we'll discuss the deeply concerning Bill C-11 and its ramifications for this podcast and every Canadian online content consumer. Welcome to the weekly program of creationary commentary on news, views, and events pertaining to the origins controversy. Proudly brought to you by the supporters of CORE, Citizens for Origins Research and Education. And thank you to you for our financial supporters who make this show possible. Excellence in private, bu- Pirate Broadcasting, we bring you the information the anti-creationists don't want you to see or hear, and giving glory to our creator while doing it. I'm your co-host, Al Vasho, here with a big guy, none other than Ian Juby. Ian, this is our premier podcast. You all excited? I'm, I'm excited, Al. Excellent.
1: <laughs> I'm imitating your radio voice.
0: You're doing well. You know, <laughs> if you hold a pot in front of your face, you'll get a little bit more deep, uh, echo, throaty.
1: <laughs> I'm not wearing any so, pants either. Don't tell anybody. They can't see that. That's <laughs> off camera.
0: That's all great. Are we ready to kick this thing off? Sure. All right. <laughs> well, this podcast will continue with the legacy of the Genesis Week show, a current event show focusing on the creation and evolution debate and everything that surrounds it. So, we have a lineup of great guests coming up, and they're coming at you. Well, they're going to air live stream podcasts or release a pre recorded one every Saturday at about 1 p.m. Eastern Time. And the audio podcast. Uh, that'll be released, I think, on Mondays and Monday mornings on Red Circle. If I'm uh, not mistaken, is that correct, Ian? Uh,
1: yeah, I believe I'm still sorting through that. Um, right. But uh, but yeah, I'm still sorting through that to see if we can figure out how that's all going to work.
0: Excellent. Well, I'll tell you what. Next week, we're going to set the world on fire. We're going to have a math I have mathematician and statistician Alan Montgomery, and we're going to look at the bogus anti science global warming. Paranoia. That should get everybody up in arms and see if we'll survive past the second podcast without getting banned on you twit (laughs) face. So here's hoping. And the week after that, May 14th, you want to stick with us, you want to get back to us and and, uh, join us for that one. We're going to be doing a live stream with William Gibbons, who spent a lot of time in the Congos of Africa. And he was pursuing a creature that you may or may not have heard of called Makale Mbembe, which sure sounds for all the world like a dinosaur and they could still be alive in the jungles of Africa. So you don't want to miss that one. Then the Saturday after that, we'll spend the entire podcast going over your comments and questions that have piled up all in anticipation of this podcast series. And while you're all at it and sending in all the questions and comments, please send your requests for topics and guests you'd like to see on this show. We'll review them and see what we can do and come up with for you, the viewers. Now also, just take note that in the live chats on Rumble, you can leave a tip with your chat called a Rumble rant. It's similar to a YouTube super chat, and your comment will get highlighted. Now, Rumble does take a 20% of your tip. Uh, we won't be taking questions from the YouTube chats in this stream, and we'll only be taking questions live from the Rumble chat. So keep that in mind. Today's show, we're analyzing Bill C-11. If you haven't heard about it, you will in just a couple of moments. So how about we get started with that, Ian? What's Bill C-11?
1: So... Yeah, uh, Bill C11. This is, it's a complicated topic, unfortunately. Um, so here in Canada, we have what is called the Canadian Content Rating System, CanCon. And, uh, oh yeah, before we move on to, I kind of screwed up the opener already. So, uh, this is our first podcast. We're going to figure out all the technical difficulties. So, bear with us. <laughs> Okay, but anyway, so yeah, the the Canadian content rating system, it it was developed in the 70s for regulating broadcasts here in Canada. Uh, CanCon requires Canadian broadcasters to carry a minimum of 35 to 60% Canadian content on their airtime every week. And this is mandated and enforced by the CRTC, Canadian Radio, Television and Telecommunications Commission. The CRTC also determines what qualifies as Canadian content uh, through either a four-square system for music or a 10-point system for television. So a CanCon rating gets applied to the specific art, uh, be it a song or a sitcom episode. So because Canadian broadcasters are required to meet a quota of Canadian content every week, an artist having that CanCon rating, that C number, that's that's like Willy Wonka's golden ticket in Canada for producers. Um, Canadian broadcasters are also required uh, to pay into a pool uh, called the Canada Media Fund, and this is a pool of money that can be accessed by Canadian artists who have a full CanCon rating to fund production for Canadian. Multimedia intended for broadcast So having a full CanCon rating is a big deal In broadcasting Canada It really is the Willy Wonka's golden ticket And I want to say right off the hop uh, I actually like the CanCon system It accomplishes what it was put in place for It encourages Canadian artists to produce Canadian media Uh, First, as a producer, you can obtain funding from the Canada Media Fund, which I've never done. Um, secondly, if your production, in my case, it's a television show, uh, and if it has a C number, then broadcasters want to put you on their station because every week they have to fill out paperwork to send to the CRTC showing how many CanCon points they fulfilled that week, as they are required by law to fill a quota. Um, so as as we'll explain, this this um, Bill C-11, which is making its way through Parliament right now, it's an attempt to modernize the CanCon system and apply it to internet streaming services, which are perceived to be in competition with Canadian broadcasters. Yet, they're not subject to CanCon regulations. So... I come into this debate from a unique direction. In fact, I I haven't come across another Canadian in my shoes. I'm sure they're out there. I just don't know who they are. (laughs) Uh, I got my start with the Genesis Week TV show, originally produced for YouTube only. It was actually my viewers on YouTube who suggested my show should be on TV. So I took the weekly show to broadcast television here in Canada on the Miracle Channel, CJIL. Out of Lethbridge, Alberta And of course they carried the show Right across Canada and even outside of Canada Via satellite Uh, Broadcast is very demanding Audio has to be perfect Light levels have to be perfect Color has to be perfect The time has to be perfect Literally down to the second And because suddenly This was now a broadcast quality TV show That was available Other networks and TV stations all over the world Picked it up as well So there was a network in the US that carried it right across the US Uh, there's several cable networks in the US that still carry it and there was even a cable network in Africa that carried the show for a while and so that show has now aired uh, for 10 years on broadcast television here in Canada and as such I've had to deal with the CanCon regulations for those 10 years Uh, Al, why don't you tell us who you are and your background in broadcast so everybody knows where you're coming from
0: yeah, that sounds good, Ian. Uh, my background, I started back in the 80s, I want to say about 87, 88, where I accidentally fell into uh, radio television broadcasting, and uh, I've been involved with that for most of my adult career, uh, Both mostly radio. I've done a lot of on-air. Um, currently, I'm doing more voiceover work for organizations and companies and nonprofits, um, narration videos and so on. But I've, I've been involved in media on and off for the better part of 34, 35 years, going on, yeah, going on 35 years. Uh, so I've always kept my hand in the pool so I could stay current, uh, but at the same time, no, not spending so much time as an on-air personality, but being involved sort of in the back part of it as right. a voiceover artist. Right. Um, a number of years ago, I, I ran into your videos, as a matter of fact, Genesis Week, I, uh, I was just enthralled, and I was taken in by them, and I just wanted to watch them over and over and over again. I've shared them with my children who have uh, taken it under their wing, and they've, they, just, uh, they just soak it up like a sponge, which is amazing. Wow, and this is how awesome. you and I kind of got connected, because I believe I reached out to you one day, and I think it's been just a, a great partnership ever since.
1: Mm-hmm. So, uh, quick question. Have you ever had mm-hmm. to deal with the CanCon paperwork for, for the CRTC uh, for your radio involvement?
0: So, fortunately, no. Um, (laughs) Someone else's job, that's their problem. (laughs) As an on-air radio personality, we are, uh, of course, governed by the CRTC and all of that. But (laughs) when it came to CanCon, it was sort of the echelon, the upper um, management and so on that kind of took care of all of that. I went in and did
1: my job. Right, right. Okay, and uh, so I just wanted to go over a a bit of the history of... Of, of bill c11 because not, not many people realize the history it was originally c10 bill C10 a couple of years ago introduced into Parliament and um, it attempts to apply the broadcast cancom regulations to internet streaming media and um, so bill C11 so it, it sorry it it didn't make it through the house it died in the house because uh, the Liberals called that Snap election in 2021, and so it was in the house at the time. So it just died. Uh, it never, it never got, uh, never got finished. Never got finalized. And so C11 has now been introduced, and it's the same. It's basically the same bill uh, that's now been introduced. Uh, bill C11 is alleged to take and apply those CanCon laws written in the 70s uh, to internet. Media. So in Canada, the CanCon system would apply to anything uh, similar to TV and radio online. This would include you know, Netflix, Prime, YouTube, Spotify, and other podcasting services. Um, originally, Bill C 10, um, allegedly, was uh, requested by certain Canadian artists. Uh, I haven't been able to track down who these people were. Uh, I think it was Open Media. I forget who it was, they were doing a live stream um, roundtable discussion about this bill when it was in Parliament a couple of years ago, and I've never been able to figure out who these Canadian artists were that were requesting the government to step in and apply CanCon to internet streaming services. Frankly, I would be embarrassed (laughs) to be one of these artists because who they're asking the government to change the rules and apply kancon to the internet. You know, their contention was if these artists have to follow Con rules, why are the YouTubers exempt? Well, hold on a second here. And I'm going to I'm going to say this over and over again. This is going to be a major theme. If your content sucks and you're whining to the government for protection from 13-year-old YouTubers who are taking all your viewers, perhaps the 13-year-old YouTubers and CanCon is not the problem here. <laughs> if if your content sucks, why on earth would you go to the government for protection? It's just, it's, it's ridiculous. Um, so, coming back to that, so bearing in mind what Bill C-11 is trying to do, is trying to apply... Rules from for broadcast to streaming internet media services, so the differences between broadcast and streaming are, are radical, especially when you consider this was 1970s broadcast when there was very few stations in Canada, TV or radio um, so it, they you know they concocted this system, which is a good system i 'm not knocking the system. Um, And they're applying it to a very small number of broadcasters in Canada. Broadcast is incredibly expensive and limited in scope, um, especially in the 70s. You've got a broadcasting transmitter, and it only broadcasts so far. Then they switched up to satellite and covered the the entire country, but it was still the same principle. It's within Canada. Um, Broadcast, it's only got one pipe. You can only play one program at a time, you know, whereas with internet, uh, during, during the, uh, I, d- I don't know if you saw this, but, uh, during the, uh, truckers protest in Ottawa, uh, there was a guy in Texas who was streaming 20 live streams at the, at the same time. So he had live streams from 20 different people and he's just sitting there in his chair uh, with a Canadian and an American flag draped over him, running OBS, and he was uh, restreaming twenty different live stream feeds from people live streaming from the protest, uh, the protest grounds. And, Which is pretty uh, amazing
0: that they think about it, right?
1: Yes, absolutely. So he was restreaming this all on YouTube. So you you can the thing with the internet is you choose what you want to watch when you want to watch it. Uh, if you're stuck on broadcast, you uh, broadcast producers like myself, you are at the mercy of both the broadcaster's schedule and the viewer's schedule.
0: That's
1: right. So if they, if they air my show at two in the morning on when on, you know, Wednesday morning, m- what's my viewership numbers going to be? <laughs> you know, whereas I yeah. post, I, I, if I throw it on online at two in the morning on YouTube, Well, there's going to be people that tune in at 2 in the morning, um, or they'll just wait, and when they wake up in the morning, they'll start watching it. They watch what they want to watch when they want to watch it. Um, The uh, C11 was specifically trying to target uh, Netflix. But let's remember the history of Netflix. It was built specifically to be in direct competition to Blockbuster. Uh, They had a different model. So Blockbuster, you go in, and it's similar to the internet, you rent a movie. And you watch it when you want to watch it. You watch what you want when you want to watch it. You rent that movie, and you've got, you know, so much time to go and watch it. Netflix just switched it up a little bit, and they just said, hey, we're going to charge you a monthly flat rate to do that. So instead of going and paying, you know, five bucks for a movie or whatever, uh, you know, you paid ten bucks a month. Um... So it's not, it's not at all like turning on the CBC and deciding what you're going to watch. It's just, it's not even remotely close to the same. Uh, so this is like, Bill C-11 is like trying to, uh, the, way, the only analogy I could come up with, and I really struggled with this one, um, trying to come up with an analogy. So my analogy is probably not very good. <laughs> um, but it's like trying to apply highway traffic laws to ships in the ocean it's It's two radically different things. I mean, why would he even try? You know personally, I think this is politically motivated. It has nothing to do with protecting Canadian broadcasters or producers. Um, but let' uh, let's take a look at some of the the reasoning behind it. Uh, right now, cbc everybody's abandoning the CBC in droves they are They are just bleeding viewership all over the place. Um, I know of I have several elderly friends who have faithfully listened to CBC radio their entire lives. They are no longer listening to it. Why not? And CNN. CNN is losing viewers in droves. Why? These are these are legacy broadcast media. Why are they losing viewerships? Yeah, any thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, I do actually. I could speak on it. Um, I was a CBC listener Uh, for many 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 years and there was a turning point uh just about i want to say about seven or eight years ago where their programming changed drastically Uh, so much so that it it threw me away from the cbc and i thought there's something going on here and i didn't question it so much at the time i see now what it is uh it's become more and more clear and apparent that uh, they're politically motivated and i think when they when they they cease to become an actual broadcaster and then they become a partisan political right arm of a, a political party they know what they, they they lose all credibility as a broadcaster so i think this is you know people are waking up to this and then you've you've got one political party that's that's giving out what is it a billion dollars a year to a to a broadcaster and not in so many words but dictating what they can kind of broadcast and what they can't uh, or at least a censoring uh, certain things and not censoring others. So there's a lot of reasons for it. But, um, you know, we'll see, will Bill C-11 be a benefit to broadcasters in Canada? I think we need to define what a broadcaster is. Uh, the word broadcaster <laughs> is actually so broad. And I think, you know, is it is it, um, are they a, a branch of a, a government, a liberal government, a conservative government? Are they a branch? Or a right arm of a of a political party, are they partisan or nonpartisan? Great. Are they, you know, with another bill that they're I think they're pushing through now to to actually license? You have to license a broadcaster to be able to be recognized uh, by the uh, government of Canada. Well, that that brings in a whole different number of questions and so on. So, will C eleven be beneficial to broadcasters in Canada? I think we'll have to wait and see. Again.
1: Hmm. That's okay. That's you went directions there. I did not expect that's very thought provoking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's that's a good that's a very that's some really good questions. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna say no. Um, maybe I'm wrong, but I'm gonna go on I'm gonna go on the record for now and say that no, it will not benefit Canadian broadcasters. Because it does not identify nor address the real issue behind the competition between Canadian broadcasting and streaming. The issue is, as far as I see it, if your content sucks, um, everybody sees through it. Everybody sees through this this guise um, where... Nobody's watching the CBC anymore or any of the legacy media. Instead, what you see is people on YouTube harassing these legacy media reporters because they are skewing their reporting. They're, and they're just sick of it. We've been seeing it for decades. <laughs> uh, Miracle Channel, CJIL, they haven't seen a drop in uh, viewership. They've seen an increase of viewership. And notice what they were doing. They had an embedded team in... The trucker's convoy. And they were down there for two weeks, live, live feeding every day and live reporting. They were chasing down. If they had heard a report of a negative incident, they were over there asking questions, asking the police, asking whoever was involved, trying to track down, you know, okay. And they, anyway, uh, neither here nor there. But you can see that they were honestly trying to find the story. Um, And and Miracle Channel, they they looked at their demographics and um, they said, okay, we've we've got an older viewership, uh, an older age viewership. Um, We want to meet their needs. We want to give them what they want, so they'll watch. And, of course, news seemed to be a big thing. So that's why they've been focusing so much on uh, news programs. Um, And now they've moved even nationally Because they're already broadcasting right across Canada anyway Um, So, I personally, I think that's why Legacy Media is dying Miracle Channel, who could be called Legacy Media They've been around since 1996 They're increasing viewership on their broadcast channels Not losing it (laughs) So, so anyway, uh, coming back to that main issue again If your content sucks Invoking laws to promote you by squelching your competition does not identify nor fix the problem. The problem is you, the producer. You suck at this. Face it. (laughs) You need to start asking questions like, what am I doing wrong? Instead of going to the government saying, please protect us. I'd be embarrassed if I was these artists. But anyways, on the flip side of that coin, if your content rocks, you do not need CanCon's help. Take a look at CTV's Corner Gas. I mean that that is Canadiana defined, <laughs> you know. I mean, I was I was on the road uh, touring at the at the time when that show was on, so I'm I'm traveling all over North America with my with my museum and my van, and um, of course, you know, I'm speaking anywhere from you know a few hundred to a thousand people a week in public talks, and so everywhere I went, there was always foreigners visiting, right, and it was amazing, every single talk, there would be some foreigner or American who would come up to me and say, you know, oh, you're Canadian? Oh, I love corner gas. It was an international phenomenon, you know, um, CHCH TV, uh, they've produced several productions that have literally been shown around the globe, um, the hilarious House of Freightenstein, you remember that one? I do. Yep, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're not giving away our age, are we? No,
0: I don't think so.
1: No, oh, okay, okay. The the Red Green Show, everybody knows the Red Green oh, Show. For, first time I saw the Red Green Show, which is the epitome of Canadian it just bleeds Canadiana. First time this, sh- was
0: the, this was my my first encounter, my first love with duct tape.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, first time I saw that saw that show probably about I'm going to go say 1992. And um, back then, I was uh, volunteering with Last Days Ministries in uh, Lindale, Texas. So I would work here in Canada during the summer, make an income, go down there and volunteer for, you know, five, six months at the Mm -hmm. ministry. And so I'm over at Brian and Julie Swigel's place, and they had the TV on on PBS. And they had an ad for the Red Green Show, two shows back to back. And I saw the ad, and I'm like, hey, Brian, we should watch that. It looks pretty funny. And Brian was like, I don't know, man. I, I watched it once. It was pretty weird. It was pretty strange, you know. I'm like, oh, come on, come on. Let's watch it. So we watched the first one. I am absolutely on the floor, rolling into hysterics. And Brian's just st- standing back, looking at me weird, and looking at the TV show weird. And he doesn't get it. We get to the end. I'm like, you know what? This is Canadian. Too many references to beer, hockey, and winter. This is Canadian. Yep.
0: Absolutely. <laughs>
1: sure enough, produced by CHCH-TV. Um just for last Montreal, gags, everybody's seen that. Um, I had the privilege of meeting one of the producers of uh, just for last gags. Um, and it was a very interesting discussion because with gags, there's no spoken language. They're not saying anything. and And so this transcends language barriers. Cultural barriers, country barriers, and so now, just for last gags, is literally all over the world. Um, a similar thing could be said for uh, Mister Bean, you know. Um, right. Same same idea. So it works in foreign countries that don't even speak English or French. It's perfect, you know. Um, Second City TV. <laughs> you know, what? Uh, as we as we showed in the and uh, the uh, the countdown leader. Um, the Bob and Doug McKenzie, you remember them, eh?
0: Oh, classic.
1: Yeah, so Bob and Doug McKenzie were actually uh, characters created by SCTV to mock the CanCon system. Because Canadian content, because the CRTC was requiring broadcasters to carry Canadian content. So SCTV said, huh, you want Canadian content? Okay, we'll give you Canadian content. (laughs) And of course, these guys were an absolute smashing hit. I mean, they even went on to make a. Did you have their album?
0: I didn't have the album. Well, I had the, I think, the 45 of the 12 Days of Christmas.
1: Okay. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yeah, so they came up with an album. They came up with a movie later on. Um, mm-hmm. It was a smash yes. hit around the world. So I mean, if Canadian, if Murdoch Mysteries, there's another example. Um, you know, this is if your content rocks, you do not need CanCon. Plain and simple, uh, the Canadian music industry. You got a list there.
0: Oh yeah, I mean, you've got some great, great Canadian talent. Uh, you've got mm-hmm. the likes of Rush. Tragically Hip, mm-hmm. Avril Lavigne, Joni Mitchell, Brian Adams. You've got Ottawa's own Alanis Morissette and mm-hmm. Colburn. Uh, both from Ottawa. You've got Corey Hart, Drake, Cowboy Junkies, the mm-hmm. list goes on and on, Shania Twain, Blue Rodeo, the Guess Who? And, of course, many, many more.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, of course, let's not leave the Christian the Christian guys out. Uh, right here in Renfrew, uh, I got to meet him, Dennis Cameron, uh, one of the best, mm-hmm. one of my favorite Christian metal bands of all time, uh, Angelica, and he lives right here in Renfrew. He's just next door. Um, mm. So his band and Angelica, they won all kinds of awards. Um, there's uh, also the Canadian artist who shall not be named, whose name rhymes with Shmuel Schmiung. But anyway, so all, all these all these artists met with tremendous international success. So, give me your opinion, Al. Do you, do you think any of them had their careers helped because of Cancon?
0: I would say, uh, especially the list that we just read off, I would say yes in a in a way, uh, simply because those are bands or individuals from the 70s, 80s, and 90s, mm-hmm. again, when CanCon was really uh, a, a, a sensation with with promoting Canadian talent. You mm-hmm. know, this day and age, and this was prior to the internet and prior to YouTube and Rumble and all the, the uh, media and so on. So I would say in those scenarios, in those cases, I would mm-hmm. say CanCon really made a difference in their careers. Mm-hmm. Um, It'd be interesting to see how they would fare if they started off today.
1: Yes, yes, that's no. that's true. Actually, that would be and uh, Justin Bieber would be a, an excellent example there.
0: Well, Justin Bieber, especially interesting case because like him or hate him, you know, he was a Canadian artist who became famous because of YouTube. Uh, mm-hmm. Was recognized on YouTube for his talent and cut um, himself a record deal. So, mm-hmm. not a shred of credit can go to the Can CanCon system and. You know, many would even argue that he is the most famous Canadian music artist in the world. Yeah. So I think that's pretty significant. It,
1: it is. It is. I, it might be a tie-up between him and Rush, but <laughs> but, so, <laughs> but some have argued that he, he is the most famous, and they might be right. I, that's kind of a, a tough one. And, and again, let me emphasize, um, I am not knocking the CanCon system. Um, for broadcast, I think it's a very good system, and it does accomplish what it was set out to do. Which was to promote and encourage the production of truly Canadian artists. Um, but all of these Canadian productions in music, television, and film were successful because they were quality content that people wanted to consume. These productions were so good that people were willing to open their wallets and pay for the art. And that's very, very intra, a very, very important uh, point. So l- let's flip the. A- Flip the coin over. Do you think any of them would would not have been successful if it weren't for CanCon?
0: Well, that's that. That raises some really interesting questions. Um, you know, where do they come from? What sort of context did they have in the industry? Mm-hmm. Uh, what sort of uh, what sort of push did they get from CanCon themselves, mm-hmm. um, and, and so on? Mm-hmm. Perhaps some of them I would say may have fallen to the wayside. Other ones would have. Probably continued to flourish under Cancon and their support. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, I think it's it's going to be on an individual basis, and of course, like I said, it depends what kind of contacts they had in the industry right.
1: to begin with. Yeah, so, yeah, mm. yeah. I I personally have some doubts. Um, I might be wrong, but I think their success rested upon the quality of their art, not so much mm. Cancon promotion. Um again not to knock CanCon because I, I think CanCon is a good system um, I'm certainly not opposed to it um, but here we are Canadian legacy media is failing uh, they're they're lo- losing viewership in droves but my question is so what <laughs> The what the government is proposing is to basically restrict Canadians access to foreign media but hold up now just this past week uh, the, with the fiasco. Did, have you been following this, CNN Plus?
0: I have. Uh, what an amazing story, actually. Yeah. Uh, so, tens of millions of dollars poured into it. Uh, uh, hundreds of people hired in anticipation of a great success story yep. that just flopped.
1: Yep, yep. So mm. CN, CNN Plus online. And this is CNN. Uh, you know, fails miserably. Did you, So Axios got leaked internal documents. Uh, let me switch to it. Um, I don't. uh, Did you see these? So, so basically, uh, CNN was uh, for CNN Plus. They were counting on uh, predicting twenty nine million subscriptions to CNN Plus from what they called CNN superfans. And how how long did CNN Plus? Last, I mean, it was what three weeks? Oh,
0: three weeks at <laughs> so, best, you know. So, it's, I didn't think they had a full 29 million viewers to begin with.
1: I well, that, that, could, that could very well be so uh, t- tough to say, but uh, this is CNN. What so, this is outside of Canada. So, why is CNN failing? And we all know why it's the exact same reasons Canadian legacy, legacy media is failing. Um, sorry. Uh yeah, yeah. Okay, there we are. Okay. I'm I'm unitasking. I I want to say I'm multitasking, but Vance always tells me I know I'm unitasking. So uh but we all know we all know the real reason why the Canadian legacy media is failing. And it has nothing to do with competition between broadcast and streaming media. It isn't just Canadian broadcasters and Canadian news producers. CNN. Exact same thing. If your content sucks If it's heavily biased, why would people watch it? You're not going to win online either. And we've statistically seen the animosity towards legacy media here in Canada. Um, Proof Concepts. Uh, Whoops, That's the one. Proof Concepts. So they just released... Did I switch to it? No, I did not. See, I'm unitasking again. Here we go. So Proof Proof Strategies just uh released their uh what they call their trust index in February and trust in Canadian news media was at an all-time low of 35% right in line with trust in government, who ironically many would argue that the government owns Legacy media here in Canada. Now, you want to disagree with that? That's fine, but uh, isn't it interesting how the level of trust uh, followed a parallel curve for both media and government? Um, And frankly, I think that's all the more reason that the Liberals have um, political motivations for Bill C-11, but I digress. Um, The March 22nd Angus Reid poll. Uh, this is this is kind of a a complex one, but because Angus Reid basically they polled a uh, they asked a bunch of questions of pollsters regarding the differing views of leading contenders for the PC leadership. Now, because you're French, how do you say his name? Poiliev. Poliev. Poliev.
0: Poliev. Totally, he, totally, he says Poliev. I totally butchered
1: that. <laughs> so, Poliev, Poliev, uh, say that for me again. Poliev. So, Poliev Poliev. Say he
0: says Poliev, so Okay, okay.
1: So, Poliev, uh in particular, he has flat-out said he if elected he would defund the CBC completely. And let us remember, CBC gets over 1 billion dollars every year from the government. So, this is a significant issue. Well, in this Angus Reid poll. Sixty-four um, percent, sixty-four percent said they'd be okay with defunding the CBC completely. Now, I I don't know how do you feel about that, Al? That the CBC, well, be I'm going to
0: back it up. I'm going to back it up just a little bit. When yep. you said the government is funding the uh, CBC in the tune of a billion dollars a year, and you're absolutely right in one sense. But to elaborate a little bit further. This is your money and my money. This is tax-funded, <laughs> taxpayer-funded um, money going to the CBC. How I feel about defunding the CBC, I'd have to agree with um, Mr. Polyev. I think uh, he's on the right track. I mm-hmm. think that when a government is um, ensued in sort of pursuing the funding of a broadcaster and then sort of dictating what that content, or at least content moderation, should be, Uh, I think it shows a clear bias when you're watching or listening to CBC radio or watching CBC uh, television and so on, one of their many channels. You'll see the content is definitely leaning uh, politically to one side and not the other or not staying unbiased uh, and nonpartisan and staying sort of down the center. So my opinion, absolutely, we should defund the CBC. I think it's had its time and its place. It was a very reputable organization back in the day, but I think it's lost its way somewhere down the line.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd have to agree with you on that one. And, and I think a lot of people are, are expressing that same sentiment. Um, I have mixed feelings about it, but my reasons are strictly sentimental. Um, I grew up in very rural Canada. Mm. The CBC was the only TV station that um, that I got and grew up with where we lived. Uh, but the CBC of today is not the same as it was then. Um, so this poll, although it was pretty specific in its, in its target of the pollsters, uh, it does reflect both the conflict and sentiment in Canada. Uh, the CBC should have been the watchdog for the Canadian government and instead, let's call it for what it is, uh, they've become a lapdog for the government. And Canadians are sick of it. It's obvious. I know, uh, like I said, I know I have multiple elderly friends. They no longer listen to CBC Radio. And this is not an issue of competition between broadcast radio and streaming media. They are not replacing CBC Radio with anything. They've just... They're not listening anymore, because they're so fed up with what the CBC has become—the communist broadcasting corporation.
0: So absolutely, you, you've nailed the theory, and I think you know if you look at some of the stats that I went through, and I should have actually prepared the, the slides, and maybe I'll do that for another um, podcast. But a lot of the independent uh, news reporters and organizations coming out of Canada through social media have actually much higher viewership and listenership. Than yes. the CBC, and yes. they're not government funded or taxpayer funded. Yep, they are. They fundraise uh, their own uh, monies and so on. So I think that speaks volumes. But you know, I don't know who this Alexandra Marshall is, but she's apparently a writer out of Australia. Mm-hmm. And in the midst of the Twitter storm, uh, the Twitter storm of this past week, she perfectly verbalized the common sentiment that so many are feeling today. Now, the big losers of Twitter embracing free speech will be a legacy or all legacy media. Now, why would anyone go to the self-censored, highly politicized media when they can watch events unfold in real time, documented by the people who are actually there? Their power and profits will crash.
1: hmm Yeah, that's not provoking. <laughs> mm-hmm. So the failing of legacy media can't be blamed on... Competition from the internet. In fact, my experience has been that the Canton, Canton rating system, as it currently stands, can backfire. Uh, take, mm-hmm. for example, my movie, The Noah Flood. Ooh, ooh. Dot com. Uh, so, it's, uh, uh, there it is. Un- unashamed, unashamed plug. Oh. <laughs> NoahFlood.com. <laughs> NoahFlood.com. <laughs> so, my movie, The Noah Flood. Uh, which should be finished and released By the end of this year Go check it out at noahflood.com I wrote that movie I hosted it And you and I, both Canadians Are narrating it Did you know you were narrating it?
0: I do know
1: <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're narrating parts <laughs> of it anyway I'm, but, I'm okay. <laughs> i I filmed probably close to Half of the principal videography All of it in Canada I drove from Northwest Territories all the way out to the easternmost point of North America just outside of Saint John's Newfoundland. Is it Saint John's or Saint John?
0: Saint I'm gonna say Saint John's.
1: St. I was John's. getting mixed up with oh. Saint John and New Brunswick. Saint John maybe, and Saint. Maybe one of
0: our viewers can can look it up. Once. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> so there you go. I see I see uh Mizoure has been commenting on the, the thing, but uh <laughs> Oh, okay. One second. I gotta double check something. Oh, okay. Nothing. Okay. Um, where did I leave off? Oh, yes. Okay. So, I went to the from from Northwest Territories right out to the easternmost point in North America, uh, just outside of Saint John, Saint John's, Newfoundland, and I filmed hours of principal. Videography. But my co producer, Stephen Arsati, he's American. All the actors he rounded up for the live action shots are American. All the footage he filmed was filmed in the US, and a majority of the production budget went to him because he had all the real expenses. I was just paying for gas and you know, I slept in my van, so I wasn't even paying for a motel. <laughs> so at best, when we finally finished that film, and I try to bring it into Canada, it will at best have maybe a one-quarter CanCon rating. So right off the hop, it doesn't qualify for CanCon. So putting it on broadcast television will be next to impossible in Canada. Let's now extrapolate to when Bill C-11 comes into effect, and I were to put it on any online streaming host. Netflix, Vimeo, Miracle Channel's Corco Plus, Uh, Channel here in Canada, whoever hosts it, the host will be forced under Bill C-11 to downrank my movie that I wrote, that I hosted, that I co-opt with with post-production, that you and I narrated, Canadians, Um, that's just one example of how this bill would completely backfire and actually suppress Canadian producers. And here's the thing most people don't realize. The CRTC has been restricting Canadians' access to media for decades. They just didn't know it. By forcing broadcasters to carry a set percentage of Canadian content, the broadcaster only has so many hours in a week. By default, they must remove foreign content. So of course if the government and CRTC apply CanCon to the internet, then they will restrict Canadians' access in exactly the same way. First, it'll be forcing YouTube to alter suggested videos and search results to carry the 35 to 60% recognized Canadian content. That's where it'll start. And of course, this does not even recognize the real issue at hand. The reason those videos aren't getting views is because of lack of discovery. It's because they suck. It'll just uh, it'll just become another theme for memes like you know, following following a tutorial on YouTube after YouTube removes the dislike button. Have you seen those?
0: Yes I have. <laughs> yeah. yes, Pretty they're. interesting.
1: Yes. Amazing. So instead of letting Canadian content be discovered naturally because it's quality content that people want to watch, YouTube will be forced to simply promote content that sucks. The thing is, that process will fail to generate viewership for Canadian content. So, the next logical step will be forcing YouTube to restrict access of Canadians to only CRTC recognized Canadian content until the viewer meets the Canadian content quota. Now, does that sound far-fetched? It isn't. Uh, Let me explain a little known and rather dark thing about CRTC regulations. Okay, so you've been involved in broadcast radio for how long? Uh,
0: Over 30 years, Ian.
1: Okay, so did you know that there is no such thing as a Christian TV or radio station in Canada? Oh, interesting. I did not. They're illegal. The CRTC Hmm. deemed it so. Now, I found this out in the early 80s through a friend. Uh, we, we all call him Beaver. His own parents call him Beaver. <laughs> uh, he's, he's a very ambitious guy. He ran a Christian radio Christian music radio program uh, from about 1979 to 1981. He's my best friend. Um, and he ran headlong into this issue. He's, he's an ambitious guy. He wanted to go full bore. Why, why just a Christian music program? Why not a Christian radio station? And he found out the CRTC would not license a broadcaster as a Christian station, because in their contention, all faiths must be represented. They would only license a religious station, and that station must carry content from all faiths. So this is a ridiculous, absurd stipulation that was concocted in the 70s. And you know, you listeners, you know, you YouTubers who are uh, listening to this, wondering about the ramifications for your content, you might think, oh, well, the content I produce isn't religious in nature. <laughs> well, yeah, wait for it. This is going to apply to you real quick. So the CRTC has already arbitrarily forced religious broadcasters to air content that they disagree with on religious grounds. Now, mm. none of us Christians, I'm not. Beaver wasn't. None of us are opposing, say, the Muslims starting their own TV or radio station. Hey, more power to them. But how do you think the Muslims will feel about the CRTC forcing them, by law, to carry content on their station that they paid an awful lot of money to build, and they are forced to carry content from the infidels? How do you think they're going to like that?
0: (laughs) That's going to be an interesting conversation. Mm
1: Mm-hmm that is exactly what's happening and what, and that's why you'll see you know the you know Christian broadcasters or whatever airing Muslim shows or you know insights from Vishnu or whatever it's because of an irrational requirement by law then you've got you know Vision TV here in Canada which just simply fully embraced the definition CRTC's definition of you know oh it's a religious station and you know hey more power to them uh but they have just Embraced these laws, and have built a spiritual TV station, and so it's this bizarre eclectic mix of every religious and spiritual view you can think of. So, but that's absolutely yeah.
0: So, so let me ask you: so why why should anybody care if they're not producing religious content?
1: Okay, so this is an an, an excellent example of a significant and arbitrary decision that the CRTC made. Now, let's apply this to the ever-evolving internet. Uh, two Canadian YouTubers I'd like to bring up. They're both lawyers. Uh, Viva Free or Viva mm-hmm. Fry. I forget how you... Frey. I think it's Viva Viva Frey. Frey. Viva Frey. I've heard him say it billions of times, but I can never remember how how he says it. Uh, Viva Frey and Runklo the Bailey. So Ian Bailey out in... Uh, I think he's in Alberta. Uh, mm-hmm. Two Canadian YouTubers. They're both lawyer, uh, both lawyers, and if you guys are listening... Uh, I'm going to use you both as an example in multiple ways Because you guys are going to run into problems Before the rest of us (laughs) The majority of my YouTube content Already has CRTC registered Full CanCon ratings Because it was aired on Canadian broadcast But I digress So Viva and Runkle, I got bad news for you Whether you agree or not The CRTC will very quickly label you As right-leaning And involved in political discourse Obviously, Rebel News will also fall into this category. That's a bit of a no-brainer. And because I personally believe Bill C-11 is politically motivated, you watch. The CRTC will one day simply require streaming services to apply rules similar to the rules for religious broadcasters in Canada. And at first it will apply them to political commentators. YouTube will be required to downgrade viewership of what the CRTC designates as right leaning political commentators and prioritize representation of the left leaning political commentators. Because as we all know, the left can't meme. Left leaning content invariably sucks. So they always get no viewership, while right leaning content gets tons of viewers because it tends to be better quality content. Now, that's just politics. Everybody is rightfully concerned and alarmed about the egregious censorship we've all had to endure the past couple of years, where you can't use certain words on YouTube or Twitter like election fortification or inoculation,
0: you know, etc. I don't know, you just use both words.
1: I just use both words. <laughs> See, I, I don't even have to say the words, you guys already know exactly what I'm talking about. And if you think that censorship was bad, wait for Bill C-11. That will be all of that censorship and more on steroids. If Bill C-11 was already in effect before the trucker convoy protests in Ottawa, what do you think would have happened to all of the dozens of people live streaming from the protest? It would be censorship on steroids. So the CRTC, non-elected people, Will start making radical, major decisions about what content will come into Canada, and it will be enforced by law. Misinformation will become one of the standards the CRTC will use to judge whether or not your production should be alive in Canada. Which is funny because, you know, this show, Genesis Week, is a production uh, on deals with uh, creation and evolution. So we've we've seen this egregious censorship towards creationists for decades literally entire books have been written on the topic uh, I've been speaking all over the world on the topic for 30 years now and since covid everyone's all shell shocked at the censorship going on and how the scientific community is you know treating people like Joe Rogan and Robert Malone and us creationists are standing back quoting John McClain. <laughs> Welcome to the party, pal. <laughs> this, I mean, this is old news to us, you know, but seriously, you will see censorship on steroids and YouTube will never be the same.
0: I couldn't agree actually any more than that. I mean, you've, you've nailed it on the head and I think many of the viewers listening and watching today, I think they're probably right on par with us and, and stuff like that. But let me take a minute, if you don't mind, I want to plug our next shows coming up. Because I think uh, some of the viewers are interested to see what uh, what we've got on the plate. If we could just break from this for just a moment. Um, I want to talk about the next show that's coming up. It's going to be uh, covering global warming, which is another topic facing censorship. And it just goes on and on and on. So that one is coming up, I believe, next week. Uh, you want to stay tuned for that one. Sorry about that, Ian. I just needed to put a shameless plug in for
1: us. Yep, that's okay. I just checked the comments as well. Um, And so, okay, no questions so far. That's fine. Um,
0: So, well, let me ask you one more question, if you don't mind. Yep. You know, um, will will this actually affect YouTube? And if so, how? Or what about Rumble, for example? You know, there are multiple platforms now for uh, video streaming and and content and so on. How is this going to affect, like, YouTube, Rumble, and some of the other ones?
1: Yep, that's a very good question. So let's say Bill C-11 is voted into law. Let's also assume that Netflix, Amazon Prime, and Spotify just submit to the new CRTC rules, which Mm. is very unlikely. (laughs) Uh, They certainly have very little reason to do so. Uh, It's more likely their response would be to just turn off the taps to anybody in Canada, because first, these foreign companies would have to pay into the Canada Media Fund for the privilege of streaming their content to Canadians. And unlike Canadian broadcasters, these foreign companies could never get any of that money back because they're not Canadian. And thus, by definition, cannot produce Canadian content. So, of course, they're not eligible to any of the funds from the Canada Media Fund, but they're forced to pay into it. On top of that, they would now be required to submit paperwork every week, giving an account of how much Canadian content they are promoting to Canadian consumers but let's ignore all that for a moment and assume that they just submit to the new regulations. Okay. How many content producers, Canadian content producers, do you think are going to go over to say Netflix? Mm. I can't
0: think
1: of any. I can't think of any
0: at
1: all. I mean, there there probably is, but I mean, I can't think of any, um, Mm -hmm. but let's come back to yours truly for a minute. Neither Netflix nor Apple tunes, Apple iTunes, um, will accept any of my content, and both for the same reason. They both have a policy that they will not host media that's already been put on YouTube by the copyright owner. And virtually all of the media I have ever produced, I have already posted to YouTube in one form or another. Uh, So I discovered all this when people had requested I make all my shows available on iTunes. Regardless, there will be, I predict, no Canadian content producers who will put their content on any of these services unless the services pay a whole bunch of money to those producers, and why on earth would these foreign companies pay a whole bunch of money for Canadian productions? It's not like, say, CTV here in Canada, who can recoup some or all of the production costs with funds from the Canada Media Fund. Uh, Furthermore, except for Spotify and Apple iTunes for podcasts, who on earth? What Canadians would have media that they would want to put on Netflix or Amazon Prime? Now, I would want my movie on there, but as I just pointed out, my movie won't fil- won't fulfill CanCom regulations, so it would be pointless. <laughs> so there will be um, Canadian podcasts on Spotify and iTunes, but just so, like some of my productions, just like Viva Fry will find out he'll have the same problem I have. Viva Fry routinely co-hosts his videos with an American lawyer, Robert Barnes. So every single one of his videos that he did with Barnes will, at best, only be given a CanCon rating of 5. So there will be a bunch of Canadian producers who are going to run into that problem. Their content won't qualify for CanCon. Or you will have Canadian content producers who just flat out object to the government and CRTC's egregious overreach, and they'll just tell the CRTC to go take a flying leap off the nearest cliff. I I, I ain't going to fill out that paperwork for every single one of my productions, are you out of your mind? Why would I want to do that? So what will these Canadian producers do? They will move their productions to another streaming host who is exempt from CanCon regulations. Enter YouTube Daily Motion, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, because you can post media on Twitter, Vimeo, Odyssey, Bitshoot, Rumble, which let us not forget, Rumble is a Canadian company, and already subject to atrocious Canadian laws like C four, laws that would make North Korea and Afghanistan proud, or the proposed Bill C thirty six, which is like full minority report. Have you followed that bill?
0: A little bit. I am not in depth. Have One that uh, it's definitely on my list.
1: Yeah, yeah. Have you have you seen the movie Minority Report with Tom Cruise?
0: I have.
1: <laughs> so, I mean, for those who are not familiar, you know, this bill will... Someone can report you anonymously and have you brought in to a court before a judge because they're afraid that you're going to commit hate, a hate crime. They're afraid that you're going to post hate speech online. So they can do it all anonymously. It's just you, you're, you're, you have to come and give an account for a crime you haven't even committed. So, anyway, um, this is the stuff coming down the pipes, and it affects every Canadian. So the point being that the CRTC will now target those services and simply change the rules to classify those services as broadcasters, and thus YouTube, Daily Motion, TikTok, Crackbook. They are all suddenly considered broadcasters, and everybody on social media is caught in the net, and considered a content creator, subject to CanCon regulations. Congratulations, you now just dragged every single Canadian posting recordings of their kids on Facebook, or their family vacation on YouTube, because the CRTC will be playing a huge, unrestricted game of whack-a-mole. They will have to keep uh, making the scope of who is subject to CanCon, broader and broader, until it literally includes everyone. Not just those outside of Canada. Because, by default, any online content that falls under CanCon, that has not been processed by the CRTC, will be given a zero CanCon rating. Now, there is no way around it. This is what will happen. This is precisely why the original Bill C-10, it was incredibly broad, had zero protection for anybody posting anything on YouTube or any streaming service in the original writing, and there was no clause to say, you know, uh, exempt the 13-year-old YouTuber streaming a video game he was playing. Uh, Without an exemption, his video feed would be subject to CanCon regulations in Canada. So critics of the bill pointed this out. And so the Liberals threw in a brief clause, which was still so vague it provided no protection. Then in Bill C-11, they even removed that protective clause entirely. So, while we should be alarmed over that, in the end, it makes no difference because of the scenario I just described. It's going to happen anyway. This whole bill is so ill-conceived because you're trying to apply a system. Broadcast and streaming are so radical. whoops sorry. Broadcast and streaming are so radically different that it's ridiculous to suggest applying the same rules to both. It's absurd. And here's another thing that I have yet to see anybody bring up, but I bring it up because again, I'm affected. Roku. Do you do you have Roku, Al?
0: I think uh, I have a Roku in my living room, my Tiki Bar, my kids. There are many Rokus in my household. Many many fine
1: Rokus indeed. (laughs) Many many, many Rokus. So everybody's got a Roku. Either a Roku box or a Roku smart TV. I've got a Roku smart TV. Um, This is another classic example that involves yours truly. There's a Roku channel called the Genesis Science Network, GSN. Set up and run by David Reeves down in Tennessee. They carry my show on their Roku channel. My show that has a recognized, CRTC recognized, 100% CanCon rating. With Bill C-11, GSN would have to pay into the Canada media fund for the privilege of streaming their Roku channel into Canada. And to what end? They cannot get any funds back from the Canada media fund. What do you think David will do? The answer is obvious. He will simply block the entire GSN Roku channel from being transmitted in Canada. So now I, a Canadian, have lost that venue, and I will lose that, that viewership. The only channels on Roku that would survive would be Canadian broadcasters who are already fulfilling their CanCon quotas and are simply retransmitting their station on Roku. I mean, how how many Roku channels will go dark in Canada overnight?
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, now, you know, at the same point, one could argue that That kind of fulfills the mission of CanCon right there. But they're promoting Canadian broadcasters. All the competition has been swept away. So you think Canadians will like that? Uh, Do you think Canadians will now watch more of that Canadian content? Uh, Do you think it will be bitter and resentful? I know I would be. I mean, most of it will just, people will just turn off their Rokus and probably never use it again, right?
1: Yep. Or... Canadians, uh, we already know what's going to happen. Canadians mm-hmm. will simply use a VPN. <laughs> and uh, there's, there will be some who, who know this, but as it is, the American Netflix and Canadian Netflix are very different. There's a ton of people I know who are, aren't, aren't even very tech savvy. And they already use a VPN so they can get access to the American Netflix because they can watch content that's blocked in canada so what do you think's going to happen next if bill c11 goes through well
0: oh, all right this, <laughs> so you know <laughs> youtube will fall under cancon regulations right yeah so let's look from another angle and ask the question well what about canadian youtubers you know is it going to benefit them um you know, what do you think i mean in, in my standpoint it's it's going to hinder more than it's going to help uh in the long run so uh, what are your thoughts Eve?
1: Well, and as a YouTuber and a broadcaster, uh, well, Mm. broadcast producer, I say no um, because you will not reap the benefits of CanCon until you do the paperwork. Um, Mm. But you're not going to be inclined to do the registration if you don't have any viewership. But you'll be deprioritized until you can get full CanCon rating, meaning you'll be battling CanCon to get any real viewership. So a key point here is you have to gain viewership to gain sponsorship or revenue, which is what makes it worth your while. I mean, you got to pay the bills. Some may just be doing it for fun and that's okay. <laughs> uh, but most YouTubers at least hope that they get you know some revenue, even if it's just the pathetically small YouTube ad sharing, you know, it's, Hey, that $30 check still means an awful lot to someone who's just starting out on YouTube, right? So, um, also what I've seen in all of the YouTubers who have tried to weigh the potential consequences of Bill C11 on their YouTube channels. None of them have any understanding of how the CanCon system works. So, let me explain it. Here's what's going to go down for you guys. Your YouTube channel will not just get labeled as Canadian because you're Canadian. You're not going to be, by default enrolled in the benefits of getting your videos promoted by CanCon. At least I'm I'm going on the assumption that the CRTC would operate CanCon in a near identical way to how they do it in broadcast. And to be honest, I can't see how they could operate mm-hmm. it any other way. Maybe I'm wrong there, um, but I can't see it. I can't see any other way they could do it. What this means is by default every single video on YouTube is assigned a a Con rating of zero. You, the content creator, have to prove to the CRTC in writing that your content is Canadian. So every show season I have to give an account for every single show I produce. I have to tell the CRTC how many episodes I'll be producing, approximately what content is in the show, who the producers are, who the actors are and their nationalities, what the budget is, who is in control of the budget, what are the expenses, are those expenses being spent in Canada or outside of Canada? It's pages and pages of tables and questions. Um, Canadian YouTuber Runkle of the Bailey, I mentioned him briefly before. He did a short video on this topic several weeks ago, and he was spot on with this one point. He's operating a very low-budget production, like I am with Genesis Week. He spotted this point, and he's in the same boat I am. So I have an annual subscription to royalty-free stock footage, images, and audio, and it's very expensive. Uh, And it's American. So all that money that I put into that subscription has to be put on the tally sheets for the CanCon paperwork, and it is counted against my Canadian content rating because it's foreign content and expense being used in my production. And because I'm a cheapskate, my budget is very small, very quickly that one subscription could become a significant strike against my CanCon rating because it makes up a significant portion of my budget. So every Canadian YouTuber will have to retroactively file paperwork with the CRTC for every single video they have ever published on YouTube. Or, you can just ignore all that, and every one of your videos will by default simply have a CanCon rating of 0. <laughs> and it will be treated by the algorithms and CanCon regulations as a foreign production, and boosted or de-boosted accordingly. So viewership of your videos will simply decline because they get deboosted or perhaps even hidden from Canadians. So um, mm-hmm. let me, let's take a, a look at some popular Canadian YouTubers. Um, I got these numbers from Thursday, uh, just on Thursday past. So Ronco the Bailey, he's got 306 videos. Viva Fry, he's got 2,662 videos. Uh, I'm going to come back to him. Rebel News had 70 videos last week. One week. They had 17,000. I have to specify what day I got these numbers because they're adding like 10 videos a day. So it's it, they had 17,441 videos uh, when I looked on Thursday. Uh, Mehdi, Mehdi over at Electro Boom, He's got 186 videos. Nile Red, uh, he's got two channels, Nile Red and Nile Red Shorts. He's got 250 videos on one, 111 on the other. Lockpicking Lawyer, he's got 1,438 videos. 8-Bit Guy, he's got 283. Nerd Rage, 259 videos. Jordan Peterson, 543. My sister, brand spanking new YouTube channel. BF Fiber Arts Creations. You know what she did? Look at this. She carefully named her channel so she could have BF Farts in her email address. Yes, she did that. Uh (laughs) So, I love it. So, Brand's baked a new channel, but look at this. Uh, she's already got 186 f- videos up there. She's already mm-hmm. got the same number of videos that Medi does, and Medi's been on YouTube for since 2007, I think. He's got 5 million, mm. 5 million subscribers. And then of course there's my channel, 321 videos. Now, um, I ironically uh, probably about 75% of my videos I'll already have a C number for the CanCon rating, but I would still need to find each of those C numbers, assign them to each video, and submit it all to YouTube. Or, I can just leave it, and my 100% C-rated CanCon videos would just simply default to a zero CanCon rating. Amazing. So, so if C11 goes through, these producers would have a choice go back and file paperwork with the CRTC for every single one of their videos, or abandon the individual video CanCon ratings to zero and just let them get deboosted in Canada. And of course, this, this is just retroactive actions that they would face. They would have to file for CanCon rating for every single new video they produce, or abandon the CanCon rating to zero and pay the consequences accordingly. Now, I mentioned Viva Fry and how his routine collaboration with Barnes in the US will mean that all of the videos he co produced with Barnes will at best get a half CanCon rating. So, a Canadian YouTuber posting videos he produced on his Canadian YouTube channel will be de boosted and possibly even hidden from Canadians in the search standings.
0: Well, that raises a a whole different question again. Can, like, can these Canadian YouTubers apply for some of the money from the Canada Media Fund?
1: Sure, um, but how many of them would actually follow through with that? Hmm. How would how would you know? How much would you get from CMF? Yeah, you know, maybe a few thousand. I don't know. Uh, when the current system that they're running right now can, in some cases, make them thousands of dollars per video, so a huge chunk of that will be taken away from them unless they can submit unless they submit the CanCon filings and get C numbers for their videos. Furthermore, they may have other reasons for not wanting to have anything to do with the Canada Media Fund like myself. I'm currently just starting out on production of a children's animated series. There's both provincial and federal tax credits available to media producers. And I am so disgusted with our governments right now, especially the past two years in particular, their behavior has been so despotic and dictatorial, I will not apply for these tax credits, or any government funding of any kind. I do not want the government's greasy paws on any of my productions, especially children's productions, because they can always come back and hold you hostage to change what you produced. And considering some of the horrible, overreaching laws that both the federal and provincial governments have enacted the past couple of years, now they can keep their tax credits and money. You stay away from me and my productions.
0: Wow. Okay, so uh, here's a call to action, Ian. You know, with everything that's going on and all the uh, Bill C-11 and the way it's playing out and so on, Mm -hmm. what can we do about this? Like, is there anything that we can do?
1: Yeah, and the first thing... um, Which anybody can do I I know there will be Foreigners, uh, non-Canadians listening to this First thing we can do Is pray And that should not be uh, Under What's the word Um, Underemphasized I guess Um, Because Just based on the history of the past two years Bill C-4 Atrocious Just horrible horrible bill um passed unanimously through parliament unanimously Mm -hmm. um if bills like that are going to go through unanimously i predict bill c11 is going to go through um i believe i believe it's going to come into effect with a divine intervention um so with that in in mind uh, which is why I say prayer is the very first thing I realize there 's a lot of people listening or watching that aren 't pray- praying people uh they 're you know they 're not religious or any anything um, but I am saying that without divine intervention, I think this is just going to go through uh, I hate to say that, but so this is what 's going to come down the pipes uh The other thing we can do of course, is write or call your member of parliament and just voice your opinion they They do listen to that um unfortunately our parliament right now they just tend to uh NDP is just backing up whatever the liberals put through and so they are just pushing bills through so but nevertheless um writing or calling your member of parliament um is the next thing that could be done i admit i do not understand how parliament and the senate work I have struggled to find information on when Bill C11 is being debated, etc. Uh, I believe after it is passed by Parliament, it will go to the Senate to be voted on. Do you know anything about this?
0: Yeah, Parliament sits at the uh, at the, the ground level, basically in the House of Commons. Senate yep. sit above in the second second tier. Uh, once it passes Parliament, the lower level. Then it's passed on to the Senate, which is the second level in the House of Commons. And then they vote on it as well. They can call down and vote it down and, or support it. So that's a, just a quick little rundown okay. of how okay. it works. Uh,
1: because I've, I was trying to look up you know debate schedules or whatever for Bill C-11, and I couldn't find anything. And then lo and behold, here they are debating it in Parliament. So I totally missed the boat um right. so and i'm i'm pretty sure it has already gone through the senate is the other thing so i don't know if it goes through the senate then through parliament then back to senate or not i i don't know um that was kind of why i was hoping to have viva fry on actually cuz he's he's been in politics um so anyway if anybody in the if anybody in the chats uh knows how that works if you could please enlighten us but but writing or calling the senators is another thing we can do um so, uh, so let's go to the chats real quick. I'm gonna go to a comment here uh, do, 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 do. whoops where's it there it is okay so major one of God's primary methods of getting things done here on earth is by influencing us humans to action in some manner. So yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's, he's been saying a bunch of stuff. Actually, they're all, uh, all pretty, uh, pretty profound. Actually. Heck I've used my VPN to gain access BBM. to BB's BBC's channel Four network. It's the new way to circumvent restricted ac- access. Yep. Thanks for the comment. This bill c eleven is looking to be catastrophically bad for the overwhelming majority of Canadian youtubers, and not just that uh Canadians as a whole because mm-hmm. it is restricting Canadians access to um to any online content that's uh, right it is, it is it won't be called censorship, but it is censorship
0: <laughs> you got that right. I okay. want well, tell you: Is there anything else from the uh, from the chats?
1: Nope,
0: nothing. All nope. right, I'll tell you what. Let's wrap this up. Yeah, because so it's, ju- it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's already
1: been. I'm sorry. No, Go ahead. Yeah, because it's already been up an hour and twenty minutes.
0: Say, <laughs> thanks to everyone for joining us today. The uh, podcast was directly addressing a political topic. We know that has a direct impact, ironically, on the future of this very podcast. Um, you know, there's a good chance we'll take this show format and simply make it broadcast quality. And this podcast will become a weekly Genesis Week TV show. But for the moment, there are several bills going through Parliament that have very serious, we just talked about this, but very serious potential consequences, not just for us, but all Canadians and all Canadian content creators. So everybody should get involved with contacting your uh, local member of Parliament or, or, or the Senate itself if you can do so directly. But join us next week, next Saturday... Where we'll have a very special guest. You don't want to miss this one. We're gonna have Alan Montgomery on with us, and he's gonna talk about uh, global warming, science, fake news, and the implications to debate the uh, to debate over origins and the age of the Earth. It's gonna be an absolutely amazing show. So I want to just you know say quickly, God bless everyone. Thank you for watching, Ian. Always a pleasure, and have a great day.
1: Always a pleasure, Al. Thanks for doing it, for uh, doing this with me too. Okay, have a good day, everyone.
0: Take care.